We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into an NFL Week 7 edition of the Rotowire Sports Betting Pod. I am Nick Whalen, joined, as always, by my trusty co-host, John McKechnie. Uh, John, we survived week six. It, it, it has not been pretty at times this year, uh, but we came out mostly on top uh, in what was a, a really, really rocky week six. We saw a bunch of upsets, uh, you know, the, the parlays, the teasers that we handed out uh, at the end of the episode last week. Those went up in flames, uh, thanks in part to uh, the San Francisco 49ers and some of the other just generally bizarre results uh, from week six. But we'll, we'll get into some of that in a moment. We'll preview every single game on the week seven slate. Uh, we are mere hours from the Jags first primetime game of the year Jags Saints coming at us on this Thursday night uh, as usual we won't we'll talk a ton about the Thursday night game if you're watching along live you know feel free to, to shoot us any questions you have bets that you like for that game any fantasy questions we'll try to answer those throughout the show uh, but if you're listening to the audio version of this pod in all likelihood that Jags Saints game is either ongoing uh, or has already concluded so we'll focus most of our efforts on the Sunday slate as well as the Monday night game uh, John how, how was your week six how'd you come out uh, you know, it it uh, certainly uh, let, left a feeling of a uh, room for improvement. And then, uh, sure. a, as we uh, as we look ahead to this week, I'm so glad that we get to talk about betting on this show because uh, on the fantasy side of things, with all the bye weeks and all the injuries, oh. like it it is just a train wreck out there. I'm going to be cobbling together some of the ugliest lineups in season long that that I can remember. Uh, tough scene over there, but hey, betting totally separate from that. We love it. So I'm, I'm excited to attack the, this board this week. We have so many weird, funky matchups that scoring around the league is down. All these totals are perilously low. Um, it's a, it's, hmm. It, it, there's a lot to chew on for, for this slate. And I'm, I'm excited to do so and share, share this uh, glorious meal with you. Yeah. Good way to put it. Uh, a lot of imagery there. Uh, I, I like what you're conjuring up. Uh, as you mentioned, we got six teams on by. It is bipocalypse, as as my radio co-host Jeff Erickson likes to say. <laughs> no Bengals, no Cowboys, no Titans, no Jets, no Panthers, and no Houston Texans this week. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to each and every fantasy manager out there, especially if you're in a deeper league. I mean, I made some just really, really sad uh, waiver claims this week. I'm going to be rolling out some some pretty depressing backfield pairings uh, in some very important leagues, nonetheless. Uh, what's the lowest won't... of the low? What What's like the worst thing that you're put, putting out there? Uh, let, let's just say Jonathan Mingo is going to need to do some things this weekend. <laughs> um, it's, it's not good. It's not good. I'm hunting for value, man. Uh, you know, you, you play in some of those, like, you know, I'm in like a 14-team NFFC league, and, you know, you, you contrast that to like your home 12-team league that you're playing in with your aunts and uncles on ESPN and like the, the waiver wire pool is night and day. Like it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, how many, how many sharks obviously are in those leagues, you know, guys are weeks ahead on, uh, you know, almost like forecasting injuries. I mean, it is, it's wild. I mean, Keontae Ingram, right, we're, we're going to need him this week as well. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a tough run uh, as, as far as the waiver wire goes this year. I mean, it, it felt like early on, it's like, if you didn't get HN, who obviously is now injured, um, you know, Jerome Ford is a guy that's still hanging around, but, um, you know, like the Zach Moss experience feels like that's kind of on its last leg. You know, Jaleel McLaughlin all of a sudden uh, is back in a timeshare. Like it's it's brutal out there, man. It is. Uh, I'm uh, particularly interested in in uh, what the Rams do with their backfield. Um, and, and we'll get into that once uh, we, we touch on that game. But uh, I've cast my lot with Zach Evans and I feel worse about it by the minute. So uh, I, I'm fully expecting Royce Freeman to go off this weekend, folks. Yeah. Yeah, as you should, my friend, as you should. 
Uh, you, know, you mentioned the, the low scoring in week six, and you're not exaggerating. Average points per game in week six, 18.4. And that was with the, with the Dolphins, you know, putting up 40 plus. The Jags put up points against the Colts. Uh, that was the lowest average score in a single week in 10 years in the NFL. You know, yards per play was way down this season. It feels like quarterback play is like slowly tapering off as we get along. And, uh, you know, now we're moving into a week where a bunch of backups will likely be under center. We'll get into those games, uh, you know, as we as we parse through the slate. Uh, you know, I talked about my circuit picks earlier today uh, on the Rotowire Twitter and YouTube channel. Nine of 13 games in Circa have a spread of three points or less. I mean, it is exceptionally rare to have more than two thirds of games on any slate with such tight spreads. It's only happened like three times in the last 25 years. Uh, you know, five of those games are sitting right at three at Circa. Um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a really, really tough week. Every, every week is difficult. All these games are, are 50-50s in theory, but uh, th- this to me feels like an especially hard week to, to find anything close to value. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the three obviously being the, like the key number so often, and, you know, you're just going to, you're just going to have to hold your nose on a lot of these because you don't love backing a lot of these teams that, you know, like it, how do you feel uh, about the commanders going on the road again, It but it's against the giants and, you know, you're torn there. What do you do with the Falcons going to Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers? Like it's, or even uh, I think that Cleveland Indianapolis game uh, in another backup bowl, like you were alluding to there, like how do you trust either of those sides? Because you, you could easily see Indianapolis getting blown out, um, yeah. and, and the and the Browns defense just like logging multiple defensive inter- or uh, touchdowns. But you could also see uh, PJ Walker turn into PJ Walker. So like it, it's just uh, it's, it scrambles the brain, um, which, which yeah. makes me kind of love the slate in a way, but boy, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not expecting to be like red hot this week. So, sorry to the listeners in advance. <laughs> this is a great week to just like take a pass or just bet every under, like that's been extremely profitable. Like if you bet a hundred bucks at every under so far this year, you'd be up like $1,500. Um, if you just want to you know, just take a break this week, now's the time to just sit back and enjoy football. You know, maybe just kind of recuse yourself from your fantasy leagues for a week, because I, I think we're going to see a lot of sloppy football, but it could be fun sloppy. You know, like I, I am kind of sadistically excited for Bears Raiders. I am too. That that's like it, that's a game that will 100% be on the quad box uh, at, at the at the house on, on yeah. Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, like right, right alongside uh, the the Ravens Lions game. Like I'm going to be paying very close attention to that one, and then the the Bills because I'm chasing points, uh, and they're, they're you know one of the heavier, if not the heaviest favorite. Uh, on the slate this week, so I'm gonna, I'm prepared to sweat that one out. But um, Tyson Bajent uh, of Shepherd uh, University College is it a, is it a university? I'm not, uh, not totally it's a sure. It's a school. Okay. I'm not it, I'm not sure a, on that either. It's a place of uh, higher learning. And then uh, you know we we got either Aiden O'Connell or, or Brian Hoyer. I would if I'm back in the Raiders, probably prefer uh, Hoyer to be out there. I am fully expecting Max Crosby to do. Uh, do things that put him maybe as the odds-on favorite for Defensive Player of the Year. I, I think he's going to have yeah. a totally crazy game on Sunday. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. There, there's just – when the when the theme is so strong for a given slate like this one where it's just, like, gross on gross, uh, you know, like, the, the negatives cancel out. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper on Bears-Raiders. We'll start there as we go through every game uh, on the Sunday and Monday slate. Uh, right now, we are seeing the Oakland Raiders as two-and-a-half-point favorites. The, the number had been holding at three for most of the week. Uh, did get official confirmation a couple hours ago that Jimmy G is not in line to play Sunday. I don't, I don't know if he's officially been ruled out. They're just kind of dancing around that, but he, he's not going to play. Uh, we, we still right. have no idea if it's going to be Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell. Uh, O'Connell, of course, was not active last week, so it, it was Brian Hoyer by default. You know, the, the indication from the Raiders, to me at least, was – you know, they don't want Aiden O'Connell to come into a game not prepared, but obviously we've seen him start a game where they knew Jimmy G was not playing, uh, you know, going into it. So my, my guess is that O'Connell gets first crack here. My guess would, would kind of be Hoyer, but I mean, okay. it, there's there's two different passes this could go because obviously um, the the one other game that Jimmy G uh, didn't start, it was Aiden O'Connell and he really got fed to the Wolves and uh, Khalil Mack basically got to like earn his earn his contract in in one Sunday uh pretty nice day for him um but regardless I think it it should go fine for for the Raiders no matter who's under center like I, I think having O'Connell already gotten his feet wet uh with the start here 
going up against a, a Bears defense, it's a lot more toothless uh, than even the Chargers one. Um, I think that that should help things. Maybe uh, just being back in the Midwest, his natural habitat uh, will, will help things along as well. But if it's Hoyer, um, you, you're expecting just total game manager type of performance. And I think that that, that would be more than well, more than enough um, for the Raiders to, to get this done and get the cover. Um, but, uh, you know, basically my, my lean here is that regardless of who's starting at quarterback for, for the Raiders, they should be able to get this done Sunday. I think that, that Bajent is such a liability at quarterback for, for the Bears, no matter what they try to do to kind of like play to his strengths, quote unquote, it's, it's just going to get blown up like it constantly like that. The, the offensive line doesn't have a prayer of holding up against that pass rush and Bajent himself, who uh, is the son of a former multi-time arm wrestling champion. Oh, does not have grip strength whatsoever. He like the, the one of the first dropbacks he had on uh, this past Sunday uh, against the Vikings. He, he fumbled and it's like, well, no son of mine is fumbling uh, when it, when I'm the, uh, arm wrestling champion of the world. So that that alone was, was the biggest red flag to me. And and therefore, uh, it's Raiders all the way on Sunday. The autumn wind is a Raider. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly like getting this at two and a half more than three. Uh, you know, I, I'm approaching it with as much caution, I think, as as possible. And I, I you know, I'm not, not telling you this is the, the lock of the century by any means. But I, I think the Raiders have the two best players in this game in Josh Jacobs. And Devontae Adams. You could even say three if you want to include Max Crosby. And he's he's in that upper tier for me now, Crosby, as far as like guys that can kind of single-handedly wreck a game. We've seen it a couple of times already. Had some huge plays against the Packers. He got us the ago. cover last week, too. He did. He single-handedly covered that game uh, against the Patriots, forcing that safety. Uh, you know, I, I think the, 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 the major thing to me is, is kind of going a little bit undercovered. You know, like there were some stories coming out of Chicago, like, hey, maybe we need to give this guy a chance. It's like, you know, he went 10 of 14 for 83 yards. He threw a, a terrible pick. He had a fumble six on, I think, his third snap of the game. Um, and the Vikings are also a terrible defense, right? So I, I don't know that that's the best gauge. Uh, you know, Minnesota played a really, really sloppy game. They only had 220 yards of total offense. I mean, I, I do think this is going to be low scoring. The total's down to 37 and a half. Uh, I, I see this as like a, a 17-13, 17-10 type of game. Uh, but I do like the Raiders here. I, I don't think the Bears are going to be able to do a whole lot offensively. I, I don't see Bajan as, as an upgrade really in any way over Justin Fields, even if you want to say he's you know, slightly more traditional as a passer, the inexperience factor, you know, the, the lack of experience at a high, high level college. I mean, to me, throwing him into the spot, I, I don't think the bears ever planned on Tyson Bajan taking snaps for them in, in real situations this year. Um, and I, I think it's going a little bit like underrated, just how bad this could be for them, uh, you know, having him at quarterback for a full game. So we, we like the Raiders minus two and a half there. I mean, I, I like the under on 37 and a half. I think we're going to like a lot of unders this week. Uh, let's let's go to Lions and Ravens, your team, John. Uh, Baltimore coming back from London. Uh, not not the most convincing win over Tennessee uh, on, on Sunday morning, but got six field goals out of Justin Tucker. I mean, dominated that game in a lot of ways, just failed to, to finish off a number of drives. They are three-point favorites at home against Detroit. Total just sky high, John. 43 is the number. Yeah, some fireworks incoming. But, you know, the, the Ravens, uh, the, the big talk on Ravens Twitter this week has been a, a concerning trend uh, as it pertains to their splits by quarter or by half even, uh, where a lot of their offensive production, yardage, scoring, what have you, comes in the first half, and then all of a sudden the offense just tends to go very cold in the second half. And that, that's a, a, an issue that you know was even brought up in a lot of player interviews. You know, They asked Lamar Jackson about it, and – you know, you, you wonder if it's a Todd Munkin issue, if teams are, are having an easy time adjusting or, um, you know, the, the players said that they've just kind of they admitted that they've been kind of taking their foot off the gas in the second half. Uh, suboptimal. They, they won't uh, have that luxury this week against the Lions with the way that the Lions are playing right now. The public is all over the Lions, and I'm not surprised because I think you look at this line. You look at how these two teams have played and reflexively you say, I like the Lions to not just cover, but to win. Like I, I'm surprised that they're favored, let alone by the full or they're, they're underdogs by a full three. So I think a lot of people are, are going to gravitate towards the Lions. And, you know, it's been tricky to, to cast my lot with it with this Ravens team, but they, they are home. Uh, I know coming back from London can be tricky, although the, the Jaguars, of course, showed us last week that it can be done. Um, but I think that the Ravens in their defense is going to affect Jared Goff enough. It, and I think that the 
Lions are going to have difficulty running the ball sans David Montgomery and maybe with a, a limited Craig Reynolds or Jameer Gibbs. And, you know, that, that running back situation is, is looking pretty uh, tough for the Lions. I, I know that that doesn't dictate the entire outcome of the game, but if you make the Lions one-dimensional and you're are able to kind of defensively pin your ears back and focus on, on one thing, and that's stopping the pass, I think it's doable um, to an extent with, with uh, the personnel that the Ravens have in the back end and also with their pass rushers. So even with all of the, all of the public confidence in the Lions, everyone loves the Lions, I think this is, this is a week where the Ravens come out and they, and they do end up winning this game covering. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of torn on this one because I've, I've held this like harboring belief that like the Lions are, are still not quite in that upper echelon in the NFC, and they've done nothing but prove me wrong so far. And, you know, I, I think we were, you know, we were on Tampa Bay last week. We thought that might be the trip up spot for Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but to, to kind of play two of those same spot games in a row, you know, you go to Tampa Bay. Now you're going up to Baltimore two consecutive weeks. I, you know, the Ravens coming back from London, I, you know, that, that's kind of a 50, 50 thing to me. It, it seems like it affects some teams. Others. It doesn't. I, I think you could find examples on either side, but um, you know, I, I, the Lions running back situation does concern me because, you know, David Montgomery is not going to play in this game. We have no idea about Jameer Gibbs. He was limited today. Craig Reynolds was also limited today. I think if, if either of them play, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to be 100%. They've been pretty hesitant to deploy Jameer Gibbs anyway, even when he's fully healthy. And I, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball on Baltimore. So that puts a lot on Jared Goff. And to his credit, he's been able to make it work in those situations. Like they didn't run the ball well last week against Tampa Bay, ended up being just fine. Uh, we should note Sam Laporta uh, remains limited with a calf injury as well. So that's another one to watch in advance of Sunday. You know, as of right now, this is a stay away for me. I, I want I want more injury clarity on the Detroit side. Uh, but before I make a decision here, I, I do want to ask you about the Baltimore defense. I, I, I think the run defense is for real. I, I don't really worry about that against Detroit. But a lot of the defensive numbers would say, you know, Baltimore is a, a better defensive team than Detroit. And Detroit's been pretty good in their own right. But when you, when you dig into, you know, the opponents at the quarterback specifically that Baltimore has faced, you know, you, you got C.J. Stroud in his first NFL game. You got a banged up Joe Burrow in week two. Uh, I, I believe it was Gardner Minshew in week three. They ended up losing that yep. game. Um, you know, you got the DTR game against Cleveland, Kenny Pickett, and then Malik Willis slash Ryan Tannehill. So do, do you feel like we've gotten an accurate gauge uh, of this past defense for Baltimore? Unlikely. Uh, probably incomplete uh, would, would be the grade as far as that that's concerned. Um, you know, it, re- reflexively, defensively, it's like for, for the Ravens, they've had to roll out backup quarterbacks in the, during the stretch run of the season each of the last two years. So no apologies for, for uh, yeah. having the shoe be on the other foot or anything. But um, obviously, Jared Goff uh, in this in this Lions passing attack will be the biggest test uh, that the Ravens have faced so far in, in that front. But I think it's huge that Marlon Hem- Humphrey continues to get healthier every week. And I, I think one of the kind of unsung heroes of, of this Baltimore secondary thus far um, it has been Brandon Stevens out of SMU. I think he's a third-year guy, and he's really uh, played extremely well. It, it was coming in on paper um, when when you look at the secondary or the, the cornerback personnel that, that wasn't going to have Marlon Humphrey for the first month of the season. You're like, these guys might get lit up, and they were still able to, to have good production. Obviously, bad quarterbacks that they were facing for the most part, but I think that this is a secondary that is going to be up to the challenge. I, th- I thought they, they were okay at times last year. And I, I think that it should uh, st- be a steadying force. It's not a strong point. Like they, they're still going to need the pass rush to get home, but even still, I, I think that they, they do have the personnel to, to hold up. I think Humphrey on, on, I'm on Ross St. Brown. If they sign him into the slot is going to be must see TV. Lions are 14 and two ATS in their last 16 games, which is uh, pretty outrageous. The, the dog loves that stat. No question about it. Uh, we're also looking at 16 to 17 mile per hour winds, John, forecasted in Baltimore uh, for Sunday afternoon. So something to keep an eye on there. That's uh, bad for golf. That, that, that's that's for very golf. bad for golf. It is. It is. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, okay. Browns Colts, Browns Colts, another game with a three point spread. Uh, Browns are up to three point favorites on the road at Indy. Uh, again, we're, we're not really sure what the status is on Deshaun Watson. I, I feel, I feel more optimistic about it today than I did yesterday or, or earlier this week. He was limited. He was back at practice on Thursday. That's a great sign for Deshaun Watson. But when you hear him, you know, talk about what's going on with his shoulder, it doesn't sound like somebody who, you know, feels like he's close to a hundred percent. So I, I think even a limited Deshaun Watson is is better and less mistake prone, more importantly, than, than P.J. Walker. Uh, I, I don't think there's a chance we see DTR, even though P.J. Walker is technically on the practice squad right now. He's going to be the guy if it's not Watson. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel super comfortable about this, but I, this is kind of one of the games I want to include in Circa, John, because I, I really, really trust this Cleveland defense. And you know, in, in a lot of weeks, this wouldn't be on the card. Uh, but when you're trying to parse through some really difficult games, some, some really tight spreads, um, I, I think by far the best unit in this game is the Cleveland defense. It, it is. It, and it's going to have to carry them. Um, you know, I'm even with Watson's status seemingly improving. I, I think that that bodes better for uh week eight than it does week, week yeah. seven. Like it feels like he in, you know, it's smart, but frustrating at the same time. But when you're a quarterback and your throwing shoulder is messed up, like take some time. Like it, it is kind of the more pragmatic approach, even though, you know, Cleveland has given him all this money for, you know, not a whole lot on the field just yet. But regardless, I, I do like the the idea of this Cleveland defense, which, which I'm sure has to be flying high after, after what it did last week against San Francisco, basically going out and winning the game for them. Um, I think that that's huge. And I, I think that, you know, what, what we saw from that, that Cleveland offense where Amari Cooper can just kind of go Superman mode sometimes. And people, people do seem to forget that. So regardless of who's at quarterback, it feels like Cooper is in a really nice spot here. So, so the offense might be able to generate a little bit more that, than we're expecting here. And, you know, on top of it, just that the defense is going to be a little bit too much for, for Minshew and company to handle. Um, I'm lightly concerned about a potential Jonathan Taylor breakout uh, because it's been, yeah. you know, slow going so far, but uh, you know, like the numbers dictate that, you know, he's, he's going to get on track sooner rather than later, but I don't know if it's against Cleveland. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I'm with you in general. I think at some point, Jonathan Taylor is going to you know make his impact known for this team. But I don't think it comes against you know what's been the fourth best run defense in the NFL uh, in terms of EPA so far. I mean, the Browns are allowing 79 rush yards per game thus far, 3.5 yards per attempt. Those are both in the top five in the NFL. Gardner Minshew, by the way, uh, as you noted uh, in our in our notes here, terrible against the spread, two and ten. ATS in his last 12 starts like he, he's seemingly better not knowing that he's going to start like if they could if they could like start somebody just for one snap and then bring him in I'd feel more the confident opener. but but yeah anytime he's like able to prepare for a start it doesn't seem to go well um you know Cleveland is is in like all-time territory as far as yards per yards allowed total through five games they've they've allowed nine total red zone possessions on the year and I, I could think of a couple right away where you know it's, it's a turnover that turns into an instant red zone for the opponent um, you know, I saw a note on the Action Network that they've allowed the fewest first downs through five games since 1970. Um, so, you know, we, we could quibble about the opponents and situations and things like that. And, you know, some of the injuries for San Francisco last week. But 
most of the numbers point to this Cleveland defense being, you know, not only a, a great defense in 2023, but one of the better defenses that we've seen to begin a season in a while. So the offensive side of the ball, you know, you, you worry about it for Cleveland. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of scoring either way, uh, but this is one where you know, I, I think the Colts are really going to struggle to matriculate the ball down the field and, and generate multiple red zone opportunities. And if Cleveland's stopping the run, that means you're putting the ball in Minshew's hands. Sometimes that could be good. You know, he could throw you into games. He could also throw you out of games like he did last week against Jacksonville. Three interceptions, lost a fumble on a sack as well. Um, you know, the Jags are a fine defense. They're they're slightly above league average. They've been surprisingly good. But to me, Cleveland is on another level. Yeah, they, they absolutely are. Um, you know, re returning home should, should help things, I, I suppose. We'll have to dig into the, the splits at the at uh, the big oil drum uh, there in Indy to, to see uh, what, what their numbers are when the window is open, uh, that, that type of thing. But that, that's something that we won't know until, what, three hours before kickoff on, on, on Sunday, I think, is when they have to announce that. So either way, give me Cleveland. Yep, we like the Browns there. Buffalo and New England. The Buffalo Bills, eight and a half point favorites over the lowly New England Patriots. Uh, the Pats, this is their biggest home dog number since 2001. Uh, as you recall, John, the last time they played at home, two weeks ago against the Saints, that was a 34 to nothing beatdown. And the Saints can't really score on anybody, uh, which is not a market favor of New England. Uh, coming off of just a another disheartening game last week uh, against the Raiders. And, you know, I, I, I like this a lot as a get right spot for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we, we saw something kind of similar, you know, week one, they had that big letdown against the Jets. Josh Allen is turning it over left and right. They welcome in the, the Las Vegas Raiders in week two and just kind of lay the smack down there. I think, you know, get mm -hmm. rid of some of those frustrations. I, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, go too far down narrative street here, but I, I, I kind of see the same thing happening. This, this feels like a, a kind of an eruption game for Buffalo and, you know, and, and their efforts to try to get right. Yeah, I don't think that they will mind taking the screws to to the Patriots when they have the opportunity to do so. I think this is a great uh, buy low spot on, on the Bills after you know one of the ugliest uh, nationally televised games that, that we've seen in quite some time against the Giants. I mean, Tyrod Taylor, if not for that mistake at the end of, of the first half, maybe we're talking about the Bills coming off of a loss um, at, at home. But I, I think going into New England, this New England team is so dead. Um, and, and I know like when you paint yourself into a corner where it's like that, this pick is obvious, it, it can be kind of a dicey spot to be in, but boy, if the bills don't do this, I'm going to feel like I'm drowning. Like I feel like I'm going to feel like I, I don't know what I'm doing even more than usual. Um, so no, I, I like the bills here. I think that, that the, the banged up personnel in that um, New England uh, defense is, you know, if they can't play defense, the offense isn't going to be able to help whatsoever. So they, they, they need to keep the bills like under 21 points and there's no way that they're going to. Um, so this is, this is the ultimate, like you said, get right spot for, for Buffalo, even though it's a big number, I think that they do cover it. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I, I am. And you know, it's the biggest number on the slate and sometimes it feels like a cop out to, to just, you know, take the biggest favorite, but I, I think this number could be higher. I really do. I, I don't know if, if the Patriots are still, hanging on to some lingering, you know, Belichick legacy respect here, but this is, this is just a bad team. It's a bad team. And, you know, they've lost arguably their, their best two defensive players. That seems like it's made an instant impact, uh, perhaps even more than we thought losing Judon uh, and Christian Gonzalez. And look, it, the games where the Buffalo Bills struggle, you know, when, when they have these, these just like blow up games out of nowhere, the, the common thread is turnovers, right? It's Josh Allen turning the ball over. It's, you know, Gabe Davis fumbling the ball to beat the Bills. You absolutely need to force turnovers. And the Pats have forced three total turnovers, all year. Obviously, that is the lowest in the NFL. I mean, it's I, I don't see that happening. I, I don't see the Bills doing this two weeks in a row. Like they, they're always good for one or two of those games throughout the season. They rarely string two of them together in a row. And I, I think they get right here. Uh, so we do like the Bills minus eight and a half. We'll have to consider that for the Circa card as well. Speaking of Circa, John, mm. we're in the middle of football season at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, featuring the best pool in history, Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools and a 143 foot diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game, college, pros, or, or, or even outside of football. You know, right now you can watch playoff baseball. You can watch uh, NBA preseason, whatever you want. Uh, they, they have that TV split into like, you know, 12 different screens. You can catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options. They got day beds. They got private temperature controlled cabanas. They have their own TVs in the cabanas. Uh, it, it's the best out there at Stadium Swim. It's located at Circa Resort and Casino, and it's open 365 days a year. All sports, all seasons. Book today 
at CircaLasVegas.com. That is CircaLasVegas.com. All right, let's move on to the Washington Commanders in the New York Giants. We got an NFC East battle here, John. Giants, two and a half point dogs at home. Another low total. This one's sitting down at 37 and a half. My initial lean here is Commanders, but this is this is probably closer to a stay away for me. I, I, I don't really trust either of these teams, and I, I'm not... I'm not convinced that what the Giants showed us by, by you know, hanging in with the Bills the other night, I, I don't know that, you know, suddenly this team has figured anything out. Um, certainly the return of Saquon Barkley helps. You know, we, we knew that would be the case. They, they needed some sort of infusion. Um, but I, I don't know that we could trust this team to, to play like that two weeks in a row. Yeah, what, one of my, like, favorite sequential moments uh, on, on the Sunday night broadcast was them running a graphic about how bad Saquon Barkley had been in that game. And then he just rips off like three yard long runs yeah. like right in a row. Like that was that was Chef's kiss. Um, but yeah, obviously Barkley makes a huge impact, but it it kind of is all for naught with that offensive line. Like the offensive line is still absolutely in tatters. I, I think somebody tore their biceps this week on that offensive line, like in practice, I want to say. So I mean it, it just it's gone from worse to worser somehow for this Giants front. And that's bad news when there's Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen and they can get anything out of Chase Young. Um, that that you know, screams a, a troublesome spot uh, for, for this Giants team. And then, you know, the, the commander's offense, it's it's uneven to, to say the least. Um, you know, everyone's hand-wringing about Jahan Dotson's usage, but um, I think the sum and total of it is exactly fine. Um, definitely good enough to to beat uh, this Giants defense that that has, for the most part, it, it's turned it around a, a little bit in recent weeks, but for the most part, uh, been uh, just a, a shadow or a shell of what it was a year ago. So I, I do expect Washington to have a, a fine day offensively, and I think that will be enough to carry them to an ugly win. But I'm with you uh, as far as staying away and uh, not involving this one on the ticket. Yeah, it, it just has to be a stay away for me. Um, even the total might be a stay away. Like, I, I don't really trust the Washington run defense. Like, that's been that's been the source of some issues for them on, on the defensive end. And I, I do think Saquon Barkley could get loose uh, against this team. But um, we, we've also seen them, you know, rack up points, right? I mean, they have two 30-point games on the year, which in this season is, is saying a lot. Those came against Denver and Philly. Uh, but we've also seen them completely no-show, like they did against Buffalo in Week 3 and then against Chicago in Week 5. So they're, they are... They, they, to me, are the kind of the number one Jekyll and Hyde team. Like, you just don't know what version is going to show up week to week. Like, it, it would not shock me if the Giants won this game. And um, I think everything we've said is basically pointing to a stay away. So we will not be including that one on the circuit card. I don't recommend that you do either. Um, another tough one, John. This one's sitting at two and a half as well. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, home favorites against the Atlanta Falcons. Total is 37 in this game. I'm done with Desmond Ritter. I've had it. Yeah, baby. I've had enough. I've had enough. How many opportunities did the Falcons have to, to win that game against Washington last week? It was just time after time after time. Uh, you know, Washington goes up 24-10. It kind of felt like it was over at that point. And I I, I don't think I don't think Atlanta expected to have that many opportunities. You know, like they 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 went for two after scoring and didn't get it. And there there is something like psychological to me about that. Like when you don't get it, even though you're still down a score, like an eight-point deficit versus like six or seven is so much different and they, they had enough chances late in the game that it's like, if you just, if they just kicked a bunch of field goals, they would have won this game. But obviously, you, you know, you don't count on your defense to, to continue to force three, four, five and outs like they were. Um, I, I just, I, I can't do it anymore with Desmond Ritter, man. I know it's, it's back-to-back 300 yard weeks, but is there a quarterback right now who you trust less, you know, inside the 20 yard line than you do Desmond Ritter? No, they, they need to be running the ball uh, when, when they are down close to the goal line. And the problem for them in, in that respect, as it as it pertains to this matchup, is Tampa is pretty dirty against the run. Like they're they're pretty nasty. So um, if that Atlanta uh, run game isn't clicking, which again I'm I'm not expecting it to, uh, then it's all on the shoulders of Desmond Ritter on the road in the division. That that sounds like a really bad setup for them. And and you know I, I talked a lot last week for going into the um, Buccaneers Lions game. Like we're going to learn a lot about both of those teams. And I think what we learned about the Buccaneers is that they can absolutely beat anyone who's on their level or below, but they can't punch up a weight class. Like it, the, their losses against uh, both the Eagles and the Lions, at, both at home, 
kind of underscore that, but their ability to, to win those more like 50-50 toss-up games has been largely impressive. I don't think a lot of people expected them to go into Minnesota in week one and do what they did. Um, so I like them to, to bounce back here. I like them to get the win. Uh, two and a half is a, a, a nice number to to um, have to trust with them. I yeah. uh, don't have to get over the field goal there. So give me the bucks, and I'm, I'm actually fairly strong on it. Yeah, I, I think when you when you talk about the the Bucks run defense, that's what scares me. If you are if you're trying to you know convince yourself that that Atlanta could win this game, uh, you know we, we think of Atlanta as this dominant rushing team, and to begin the year, you know they go out week one, they put up 130 rushing yards on Carolina, they racked up 211 rushing yards against Green Bay in week two, and since then, like the running game just hasn't really been there. You know, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, they'll they'll rip off a big play every now and then, but um, you know they're they're averaging John just 93 rushing yards over their last four games. Those coming against Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, and Washington. Like, Washington especially, that's a team that you should be able to run against. And for whatever reason, like you said, they, they get away from it. You know, they're 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 allowing Desmond Ritter too many opportunities to make mistakes. And that's what's frustrating because I, I, I kind of think of Atlanta as a well-coached team that knows who it is, even if they're wasting some of the talent on that offense. Uh, you know, for the most part, it, like last year, they were a team that felt like they were, they were kind of playing above their weight, right? I mean, they were winning games that sometimes maybe they shouldn't have. And now I feel like they're losing games that they shouldn't lose. And yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they're going to struggle to run the ball again on Tampa. I mean, the flip side of that is Tampa just can't run the ball at all. And I, I think at least the Buccaneers know that. It, you know, like last season, it felt like they would try to run the ball like three times to begin the game. Rashad White would get stuffed. And then it was just, you know, the, the Tom Brady short pass raid. You know, they don't really have the quarterback to do that anymore. But I, I think at least Tampa Bay kind of knows who it is and, and is willing to, to play to that. Whereas, like if, if Atlanta can't get to 120, 130 rushing yards on Tampa Bay, I, I think they're really going to struggle to move the ball. So my lean is, is the Buccaneers on that one as well. And uh, like you said, two and a half is a, a pretty attractive number there. Let's move into the late window. We got Steelers Rams. This is going to be a fun game. I, I don't, I don't enjoy watching the Steelers, but I am, I am curious. I'm Steelers curious as far as like, how is this team three and two? How do they keep doing this? Uh, Steelers are three point dogs on the road at LA. Going to be a ton of Steelers fans in that building. Total is 43 and a half. It's pretty high for a Steelers game. Um, you know, last time we saw the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were doing what the Steelers do and somehow winning a game that they had no business winning against the Baltimore Ravens. But that also took like 10 drops from Baltimore. I, that, that was yep. a game that the Ravens absolutely should have won. I, I don't think Pittsburgh deserved it whatsoever. You give some credit to, to George Pickens and Kenny Pickett for, you know, making some big plays, hitting a big touchdown to, to ultimately win it late. But even coming off of a bye, even with all of the, you know, Mike Tomlin as an underdog trends that we could throw out there, I, I find myself liking the Rams. I like the Rams as well. Um, I think that the the Steelers secondary is subpar. And when you have a, a Rams team that probably just isn't going to be interested in running the ball, um, then you're, you're getting upwards of 20, maybe even 25 targets combined to, to Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Um that's going to translate into a fairly long day um, for the Steelers secondary, in my opinion. So, yeah, that, that's key point one. And then uh, the second point is that the Rams defense has been OK so far. And and OK is plenty good enough um, against yes. a, a Pittsburgh offense that even coming off the bye, uh, I'm I'm dubious at the idea of Matt Canada figuring everything out over these last two weeks and, and getting no, things. He's, he's in been in the gear. lab, man. Yeah. That's fine in the maple syrup lab, but I just mm, nope that that offense is is putrid. It's going to remain stuck in the mud here, even against a defense that's you know average at best. And I, I think that bottom line here that the Rams' offense is the the strongest uh, unit, especially the passing game. So give me the Rams. Um, and and uh, again, when when it comes to the Rams' backfield this week, um, I was initially very interested in Zach Evans. They sign all those veterans. Uh, so it could be some weird mishmash of, oh, I remember that guy. I mean, there, there's going to be Miles Gaskin potentially involved. There there could be some Royce Freeman. I forgot that he was even still in the league so until I. this week. I, so, I don't think he was in the league, was he? I mean, he's, he's I, just hanging out. Yeah, just doing his thing. But, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm in on, on the Rams this week, even, even with uh, a zero for its run game. See, normally I'd be a little concerned about the Rams' rush defense. Like, that that has been their weakness. They've given up 130-plus on the ground in four of the last five games. But I don't think the Steelers exploit that, right? I think the Steelers are kind of the perfect team. If you're struggling uh, to stop the run, you want to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. And 
Um, you know, I, again, I think this will be, it'll have the feel of somewhat of a Steelers home game, but you still got to travel. Um, yeah, I, I don't really put the buy into a ton of consideration here. And I, I feel like the Rams offense is, is picking up steam, right? Like I, I did not necessarily expect Cooper cup to return on the short end of his timetable. I, I didn't expect him to look like vintage Cooper cup right away. And he has like, I, I mean, I think him plus the emergence of Puka Nakua gives this Rams offense a dynamic that we never really considered that it would have. And I, I think Pittsburgh's going to struggle uh, to, to, to stop that. So I'm, I'm with you. I mean, we, you, you can tell that we're not like, you know, absolutely hammer this one, no doubter of the week, but um, I, I'm not ready to, to put any faith in Pittsburgh. I, I don't think they could pull another rabbit out of the hat like they did uh, against Baltimore twice in, in two games. No, I don't either. I, I think rivalry games, clearly uh, th- yeah. things go out the window in, in those. And uh, it, you know, Pittsburgh and the Rams, uh, they do not have a, a story, storied uh, rivalry that, that, that I'm aware of. Maybe back in the Merlin Olsen days. Yeah, I, I guess other than like Jerome Bettis played for both teams, that's really the yeah. only thing I can think of. There, there are some matchups this week where I'm like, have, have these teams ever played? Like, I can't, I can't picture the Steelers playing the Rams. You know, like that's no. just one that doesn't that doesn't really add up to me. Like even even Lions Ravens, like is this the first ever meeting? Uh, if not for the the crazy Justin Tucker field goal <laughs> um, a, a couple years ago, actually Tucker has like killed the Lions a few times with his field goals. Yeah. His his second season in 2013, he is 61 yarder. Uh, to beat the Lions on, on a Monday night football game as well. So I feel like Lions fans definitely have their voodoo dolls out for, for old Justin Tucker. Yeah. Okay. So we we like the Rams there. Pittsburgh, by the way, uh, according to the Action Network's metrics, uh, they are the luckiest team in the NFL, <laughs> uh, which that checks out, to say the least. Uh, all right. We continue in the late window with Cardinal Seahawks. Seattle, seven and a half point favorites at home. 44 and a half is our total I like Seattle here. I like this as a bounce back spot for the Seahawks. Uh, we, we talked about it at the top. I mean, the the amount of opportunities that they had to win that game against Cincinnati, if you look at just some of the basic metrics in that game. I mean, Seattle was plus 167 in terms of total yards uh, of offense. They ran 17 more plays. They averaged 1.4 more yards per play. They converted more third downs. They had nine more first downs than the Bengals. And somehow that only resulted in 13 points, uh, thanks in part to, to two picks from Gino. One of those come in right at the goal line. Uh, they, they had a first and goal from the seven and separately a first and goal or first to 10 from the 11 late in that game. Both of those drives stalled out. Neither of them resulted in points. Uh, th- this was another game much like much like Washington and Atlanta and, and really Houston and, and New Orleans kind of felt like this too, where mm-hmm. I, I think if, if, if Seattle had had the benefit of knowing how many possessions they would have had, they, they would have just kicked the field goal and, and ended up winning this game. But uh, you know, they, they kept going for it, kept failing, kept turning the ball over. Uh, you know, losses like that, they, they can stick with you in some ways. But I, I'm pretty confident here in Seattle returning home, bouncing back. Geno Smith is 19-13 and 13 ATS in his career after a loss. And, look, I, I respect Arizona a lot. I, they've already looked better than I thought they would multiple times this season. But we're, we're starting to see some cracks in that foundation on defense. Yeah, we, we are, um, you know, for, for as like competitive and, and uh, gritty as, as the Cardinals seem to be through the first month or so of the season, it just feels like the, the magic, if if you can even call it that, has worn off um, a little bit, um, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, convincing losses to the Bengals and, and the Rams and, and over the last two weeks. They got to go up to Seattle. That's always a raucous environment. Um, Chris Owen, fellow Rotowire guy. Uh, lives out in Seattle. Him and I do a survivor pool together. We co-manage that one. Uh, he's offering to go to the game uh, if we need to add some extra vibes uh, in favor huge. of the Seahawks and, and survivors. So, um, you know, I'm I'm on the Seahawks. I've already been talked into it as a result of, of, of that offer. Um, but regardless, it's it's just tricky to see Arizona hanging with it. Like they, they might be able to, to put up a, a competitive first half and, and we're, we're sweating a little bit about the, you know, uh, winning by more than a touchdown. But I think overall, uh, once this game plays out over 60 minutes, Seattle does end up outclassing the Cardinals in a way that, uh, that they do end up winning and covering. Arizona one in 10 ATS in its last 11 games uh, in the division. So that should hopefully push us a little bit more towards Seattle. Uh, all right, a couple more games in the late window. We got Packers Broncos, John. Let's get fired up here. Packers coming off of a bye. Uh, they get the Denver Broncos. This should be should be a get-right spot for the Green Bay offense that desperately needs it. Uh, the return of Aaron Jones, I, I think, cannot be overstated. It's a little bit shocking how much Green Bay misses him. Like, Aaron Jones is a great player, no question about it. You know, he's 
still probably what like the fifth to seventh best back in the NFL. Like I, I don't I, I don't know that this offense should hinge completely on whether or not Aaron Jones plays. And these last couple of games without him, that's how it's felt. Like they they've been completely lost. They were toothless against Detroit. They were toothless uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders uh, in Vegas prior to the bye. Um, you know, Packers do have a rest advantage, but not that big of one because Denver did play on Thursday last week. So something to consider there. But I, I do expect to see a, a more competent version of this Green Bay offense. The question is, you know, Denver's defense, we, we, we've taken shots at them. Everybody has all season. Like the offense has been, it's been there. You know, it, it has been an NFL offense. And I, I still don't know if I fully trust Green Bay on the other side. So I, I, I give slightly into the Packers here. This is basically a pick the winner game. Packers are one point favorites, uh, totals 45, but um, you know, hard to feel confident either way. It is, um, you know, that I think the the Broncos, like it was so bad last year that that like there's still kind of like the residual uh, disdain for this offense. Like anytime that that they go three and out, it, it seems like particularly seismic relative to like any other team if they had any sort of offensive cachet. But they they don't they don't have that benefit of the doubt. Um, they can't figure out their their wide receiver personnel, target distribution, what whatever. Uh, Russ played, I thought, really poorly last week, but I think on balance this season, he's definitely been better um, than he was a year ago. They need to get Marvin Mims more involved um, because his numbers on a per-target basis have been tremendous. I don't know like what the disconnect there is. Um, like Literally, uh, the I think you should leave meme with, uh, with the hot dog guy with, with Sean Payton saying, like, oh, I, I can't believe Marvin Mims hasn't broken out yet. Well, I don't know. Put him on the field. He what was no, the exact I, quote? He's he's dying to break out. Yeah, he it's and, and oh gosh, I just wish there was someone that wasn't standing in his way. Um, but yeah, I I'm out on the Broncos. Their defense is still very bad. I I'm pretty much out on Jordan Love. I've decided. I, I thought that that Raiders game was really really concerning. But getting a healthier Aaron Jones back against this Broncos run defense, I think should be the difference. So give me give me the pack to yeah. win. Broncos are yet to win a game ATS this season. Yep. 05 and one. I, I I think that the one question is like, did they did they figure something out on defense against Kansas City, or did they just kind of get lucky with Mahomes making a couple questionable throws, which we've seen from him more than off or more often uh, than we have in the past. It feels like this season. I lean toward no. I, I still think this is a historically bad defense, and you know Green Bay is not a good offense, but you know I, I think Green Bay grinds out a pretty ugly win here. To me, this is a it's like a twenty three twenty type of game. Okay, so we're on the under as well. Yes, yes, we are on the under. I, I don't trust Green Bay that much. Uh, you know, all due respect to Aaron Jones. Uh, all right, finishing out the late window, Chargers Chiefs. Casey, five and a half point favorite at home. 48 is the number. Uh, relatively sizable rest advantage for the Chiefs, who played on Thursday night in week six. Chargers, of course, played Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, weird game for the Chargers. You know, Justin Herbert missing some throws that he doesn't normally miss. Uh, obviously, they, they got the, the huge break toward the end of the game on the, the Jalen Tolbert. Thought the guy touched it, uh, attempted fumble recovery uh, on the punt that, that gave the Chargers a chance to tie the game late, end up losing that game regardless to Dallas. I, I'm on L.A. here, and I, this is one where I'm, I'm willing to kind of blindly follow some of the trends. And number one is these teams always play close games, right? I mean, they, right. The, the, last, the last two years, they've they played – uh, or last three years, I should say, they've played one score games in five of the last six meetings. They played a pair of three point games last season. Like Justin Herbert always seems to get up for this matchup. And, you know, the Chiefs are are five and one. They are deservedly, you know, a team that is always going to be near the top of the AFC, if not the best team. But the offense is still concerning, man. It, it really is. And it, I know we went through this last year and I know they won the Super Bowl and they'll, in all likelihood, probably find a way back to the Super Bowl because they have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey. But, it, it, it feels a little more dire this year. Like I, I don't, I, I don't get the sense that they're, they're building something, you know, with these receivers. Like last year, you kind of felt like as the, as the year went along, it's like, okay, I, just, I see the progression. I, it, it just feels like they're starting over every week with, with this group of receivers. Uh, well, did you not see that they traded for me, Cole Hardman yesterday? I, I mean... did. I did. Speaking of starting <laughs> over. Yeah. Yeah, baby. So uh, he's a dog. Lo- love me, Cole. But um, I don't know if he fixes the, the, the woes in that. Receiving I mean, is he going to play this week? Uh, I'm, I'm dubious, but I, I figure if there's one place that he could have been traded midweek and, and he could play on Sunday, it would, it would obviously be Kansas City. I, I do think Rasheed Rice is ascending, but they still um, definitely need s- some help um, in, in that receiving core. I've seen them be, be linked to the uh, DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes potentially as the trade deadline looms. But uh, as we know, 
as seasoned NFL watchers. The trade deadline, it's all theoretical and on actual trade deadline day. Very rarely do, do things happen like the Christian McCaffrey deal in season a year ago. But, um, you know, as, as it goes with, with this game, my, my lean is on the Chargers. I, I think that they do tend to play the, the Chiefs very close. That they, They're they a tough team to, to trust betting-wise generally, but it seems like against the Chiefs that they play with a different uh, level of edge. So um, I think Herbert bounces back. I know that, that rest, rest um, disadvantage is, is a bit concerning for the Chargers in this spot, but I, I think they need no extra motivation get going into KC, uh, trying to rinse last week's game off. Um I like the Chargers to, to hang in there and, and lose by a field goal. Chargers have either led or tied uh, their last four meetings with the Chiefs going into the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Justin Herbert, 5-1 and one ATS against the Chiefs in his career. He's 7-0 and oh against the spread as a dog of five points or more. Um, also, another good stat that I found uh, via the Action Network. They do great write-ups every single week. I encourage everybody to check those out. Uh, Herbert is 25-1. and one. That's 25 and then one push ATS when the Chargers allow fewer than 27 points. KC is five and one on the year. They've only scored 27 twice. They got to exactly 27 against Minnesota. And then of course the 41 pointer against Chicago. So if this LA defense can do anything, or if, if we still believe that the, the chiefs are, are a bit stuck in the mud on offense, um, you know, if, if they could just keep Kansas city in check, I think the Chargers score enough to, Maybe not win this game. Like I, I like Kansas City to win. I, I think we keep the trend going and they win like a three or four point game. Uh, but I like the Chargers to cover. I do as well. Um, so we're, we're on 27 watch uh, yes. for, for Sunday afternoon. Very good. Let's move to Sunday night football. We got a banger, John. This is the game of the week by a mile. Dolphins, Eagles, Eagles, two and a half point favorites at the bank. Uh, 52 is the total. That is very high uh, by week seven standards. Uh, Chargers Chiefs is 48, by the way. But this is the highest of the week by a good margin. Oh, really tough one for me. Really tough. We, we've saw, you know, it, the Dolphins kind of had their marquee matchup against the Bills earlier this season. They fall flat there. And, you know, you, you wonder now going to the Eagles in somewhat of a similar spot, like does the same thing happen or did the Dolphins find a way to avenge that? Because I, I feel like if Miami loses this game, there, there's going to be this season long thing of like, all right, yeah, they, they, this is really cute. They could, they could put up 49 on all the average teams and especially the bad teams. But you know, when, when they play the big boys, they, you know, that, that, that little, you know, fun college offense of theirs, it's not going to work. Right. It, it's, you know, like in, in the days of your, like, you, you know, like the, the number four seed in, in the college football playoff, you know, that, that lit it up offensively every right. single week of the season. Then they run into Alabama and just get put into the wood chipper. Um, but th- this one, I, I go back and forth on it as well. Obviously they, these are uh, the top two offenses in the league. I, I looked it up earlier this week and, uh, obviously, the Dolphins are on a record-setting pace at, at, atop uh, that that metric. Um, the Eagles are second, and they're over 100 yards per game lower uh, that, than the Dolphins are. So it, it's just insane what, what the Dolphins are doing on offense. And I think what steers me in Miami's direction is that uh, this receiving core against uh, what what is you know a, a perceived weakness um, on the on this Eagles team it is the secondary and so them having to hold up against uh you know Tyreek Hill Jalen Waddle now, now that he's healthy um if you get Raheem Mostert out in space like that's just a lot to contend with uh for this Eagles secondary and you know so the the pass rush is going to be key um we'll, we'll see if Tua you know the, the the metrics earlier this season where he was the quickest to get rid of the ball in the league to, and still getting the ball way downfield um, I think that really does help the Dolphins in this in this instance. So I'm looking for for some big plays there. That defensively, um, Miami is going to probably struggle to to stop the run. I know that the Eagles struggled to run the ball, but that was against the Jets. So that that's like a totally different um, beast to to contend with. But um, you know, I, I think one of the big takeaways from that Miami loss in Buffalo was that Stephon Diggs ate their lunch, and if AJ Brown is on a similar war path, then this could be very problematic um, for the Dolphins. But Jalen Hurts has more interceptions this year than he did all of last season, being a little bit more careless that's, with the that's ball. That's what people are saying. If uh, Yeah, man. So if if that trend continues um, and, and you know, the Dolphins get set up in plus territory and, you know, are, are snuffing out the, these Philly drives, you know, I, I think the Dolphins can go in there and get the win. Uh, 
man. I, I, I think I, I give a slight lean to the Eagles here at home. I, I, I all every point you made is valid. I, I do think there are some like strength on weakness matchups in this game. You know, that being, uh, you know, Dolphins passing game and, and big playability versus the Eagles secondary. But I, I think especially if Jalen Carter is able to play in this game and he's, he's been limited throughout the week, kind of 50-50 right now, seems to be you know some optimism that he'll be back. I, I think that's going to go a long way towards stopping Miami on the ground. And, you know, you, you see all the points go up every single week and it, they're doing much, so much of this on the ground, right? Like two has been fine. He's been great. Um, you know, Waddle Hill, they, they're, you know, good for several big plays every single game. They, they lead the league in big plays. Eagles are second, by the way, in terms of 10 plus yard runs and 25 plus yard passes. These teams are, are kind of neck and neck there. Uh, I, I think what, what Miami is able to do through the air, exploiting this, this Philly defense I think Philly's going to be able to do the same thing on the ground. I mean, this is this is not a good rush defense for Miami. They're 26 in rushing EPA so far this season. I, I think this is a big spot for DeAndre Swift, and you know, I, I think it's going to be kind of a, a really interesting contrast in battles here because I, I don't think Miami's going to be able to run the ball all that well by their standards. I think Philly's going to be able to run the ball really well. I think Miami's going to be able to throw the ball really well. So all this to me results in a high scoring game, a back and forth game, and in, in those situations, I'm going to take the home team, especially when they're they're only favored by two and a half. And I, I'm going to take the defense that overall I trust more in Philly. So I, I think this is a one possession game. I think it's decided late, uh, but I think the Eagles ground game is the side that I want to be on. It, it, this is likely a uh, unwarranted heat check for me to, to be on well, the Dolphins. I don't, think, I don't think it's a heat check, man. I, I mean, I, I think there's plenty of reasons to like the Dolphins. I mean, the Eagles are coming off of a disaster game last week, right? I mean, we haven't really even touched on that. Like how much, how much stock do we put in what the Eagles did a week ago? Like if we're willing, if we're willing to kind of throw it out for the bills and granted they're playing the Patriots. So it's a different story. Um, but you know, does that linger at all for Philly? It, I mean, it could, and you know, they didn't get out of that game unscathed either. I mean, Lane Johnson, he practiced today in, in a limited fashion, but um, if he's not himself, you know, we, we saw the issues that, that, that arose after he goes out last week against the jets. Um, it's, he is such a key cog of that offensive line that that if you you know get uh, just seventy five percent Lane Johnson or zero if if he ends up missing this game that does change the calculus it changes you know how this this Philly offense functions completely. Jalen Hurts, by the way, fourteen and one straight up as a home favorite in his career. The only loss coming to Taylor Heineke last mm, season. Close. So we will we'll go head to head on this one. I, I I don't I don't feel great about it either way. You could absolutely talk me into the Dolphins. By Sunday night, but very excited to watch that one uh, again. Eagles two and a half is the number at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's finish out with Monday Night Football, John. 49ers at the Minnesota Vikings, total of 44. San Francisco favored by six and a half. This is kind of a wait and see for us right now. You know, we're, we're recording this on, on Thursday evening, so still waiting for you know a ton of injury news, a ton of you know big time players for the San Francisco 49ers banged up after last week. Debo Samuel did not practice on Thursday. Christian McCaffrey did not practice on Thursday. Uh, Trent Williams, uh, don't, don't have a firm practice update on him, uh, according to rotowire.com, but he's considered day-to-day. -day. The good news is all those guys you know, seem to have avoided long-term injuries. The question to me is, if you're San Francisco and you're, you know, you're McCaffrey, you're Debo, are you, are you pushing to get back for this game? Because San Francisco, I, I think conceivably, could probably talk themselves into winning this game without the bulk of those players. Um, you know, do, do they take more of a long-term approach here? If those guys are in, if if even two of Debo, McCaffrey, and Williams are in, I, I really like the 49ers at this number. And I think we can see this number move quite a bit by Monday night. Yeah, that, there's certainly potential for that. A lot of it does hinge on, on the offensive star, star power um, on the San Francisco side. But the Vikings are basically drawing dead at, at this point. I mean, we, we got a, a nice glimpse of what the offense looks like. Sands, Justin Jefferson against the bears on a nice day in Chicago and they still mustered all of 19 points, you know, some of those coming on the defensive side and you might have a, a mad angry San Francisco team that as a result on the other end of that, that, that could get I real know, ugly. For, I so, I mean, I, I would have hammered this, uh, you know, a week ago and, and I'm not going to let a, a slip up in Cleveland uh, steer me off the, the notion that, that the Niners are the best team in football uh, I think they they go in there, take care of business, and they win this one um, by more than a touchdown. So I, I do like the Niners here. You know, what's interesting is the look ahead on this one prior to week six was San Francisco by seven. Yeah, and this was after we knew about the Jefferson injury. So I, I'm, you know, it, it's at Minnesota. That, that means something, I suppose. But I, I, I 
you just don't really feel like this Vikings team has it this year, right? I mean, everything that was going for them last year, but felt like it evaporated by week two. Uh, they still don't have a rushing touchdown on the season. That's that's not good. That's not a good sign. Uh, you know, this is a primetime game for Kirk Cousins. We, we know all about that. Uh, in night games, he's 12 and 18 ATS in his career, 11 and 19 straight up. Um, it's not good, man. I mean, in his last seven primetime appearances, he's one and six ATS. So I, I, I cautiously lean San Francisco here. I, I think I want to be very careful not to overcorrect because every team is, is allotted, you know, one or two of those just bizarre slip up games. And I, I feel like an idiot because I've said so many times on the show, like, man, San Francisco, they're just bulletproof, man. They, they, they can lose two or three guys any week and they'll just keep rolling. Uh, obviously that's not the case. They're, they're as susceptible as anybody to, to a game like they had last week against Cleveland. But I'm willing to write that one off. Uh, I think they've earned that. I, I think they, they they get the cachet that maybe some other teams don't. And I, I think this environment playing inside favors them a lot more than everything that was going on with the elements uh, in Cleveland. You know, it just felt like that game spiraled and spiraled. And you know, with each player to go down, um, you, you kind of felt worse about the 49ers chances. And, you know, we might be talking about them completely differently if they just make a 41 yard field goal to win the game. No, exactly. It's like they, they played a bad game, but they escaped with, with the victory. Um, so yeah, th- don't change your opinion on on this team for, for the you know that last week's loss was a total albatross. Don't expect anything uh, like that to, to happen again this season. And then yeah, like you said, primetime Kirk love to bet against that. So um, you know it, this all points me to- towards San Francisco fairly strongly. I, w- I wouldn't fight you if you wanted to um, to include that on the tickets. All right, let's hit some survivor talk real quickly. Then we'll we'll hand out our parlays of the week. I will reveal the teaser for week seven and we'll give our best bets. You know, it's tough to talk about survivor at this point because you don't know who everybody's used. You know, we're six weeks into the year. A lot of the big dogs uh, have already been used. So yeah, if you have the bills, you might want to use them against the New England Patriots. But do you have any any kind of under the radar plays that you like if, you, if you've already used Buffalo? So Seattle is where I'm landing with it because there, there probably hasn't been a spot yet this year where you used Seattle, maybe week one against the Rams, in which case uh, you're not listening to this segment anyway, because you lost. But um, I think Seattle going up against the, this Cardinals team um, definitely makes a, a lot of sense. If you still have the, the Niners. Uh, I, I think that they're, they're a strong option as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think to your point and the kind of overarching theme for, for this week is these are all very close games. So it's hard to find something where, where you know, you, you feel like even if this team doesn't cover the touchdown, um, you know, we're, we're still getting there. So it's it's tough. It's tricky out there. But Seattle is is my one. If you if you have already, you know, kind of used your your ammo uh, on the on the you know bigger, you know, your Chiefs, your, your Dolphins, uh, Lions, so on and so forth. Um, maybe, maybe the Raiders would, would be a, an interesting kind of sicko pick, but um, Dirty that, dog. yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I Brady Kravitz brought that intrigued. up on the radio show the other night. He, we, we were just about to take him out. He's like, Oh, by the way, would you use the Raiders in Survivor? And I, I was just taken aback. Um, I mean, it's not that crazy this week specifically. Like, I, I think this is one, like, I, I'm interested to see what the percentages are in circa. I mean, this, this could be what 70, 80 percent Seattle. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't even know what, you know, obviously if you have San Francisco, maybe you use them, but you kind of still wait and see if you have Buffalo, you're using them, but yeah, I don't, I mean, you could make a case for like five different games, uh, you know, that, that could be like your, your secondary one. I, I agree for the record on Seattle. I think that's, that's pretty clearly the option, but like, I, I don't, do you, do you trust, do you really even trust Kansas city that much to, to win against the chargers at home? If you have them, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. No, I, I don't. And, and you know, th- this can be a dangerous game to play, but I believe the Chiefs have a, a softer matchup on the other side of, of this week. So, um, you know, I, I think if you still have them available, um, hold off on using them this week and then uh, use them against uh, Denver uh, in week eight. I think that would be probably my my, uh, my strategy there. All right. Give me your parlay of the week, John. All right. We got four legs here. Um, so half an octopus. See how we see how we do. I uh, got the Raiders minus two and a half. I got the Bucks minus two and a half. We got uh, the Washington Commanders minus two and a half. And then two and a half, got, right? Yeah, baby. And then uh, Bills money line. Tack that on there. It gives you a nice plus seven uh, seven seventy payout. Okay, I like it. I like it. I'm going to go with the the Chargers plus five and a half. The San Francisco 49ers going back to the well. They got to cover six and a half. Uh, and we are going to involve the Browns Colts total and take the under at 40. So Chargers, 49ers, 
Browns Colts total. That gets you to around plus 550 over at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Teaser of the week. We, we got to get back on the right side of these. We're going, we're going with a six and a half pointer this week. We are going to tease the Seattle Seahawks uh, down to uh, minus one. Uh, excuse me. Wait, I, I think I have this backwards now. I, I, I clicked the wrong team. Uh, yes, no, no. All right, we're good. We're good. The line moved. Mm-hmm. Teaser of the week. Resetting. We're teasing the, the Seattle Seahawks down to minus one. So they just basically got to win that game against Arizona. We are teasing the LA Chargers up to plus 12. I think they can keep that uh, you know, under 12 against the Chiefs. And we are going to tease the Buffalo Bills all the way to minus two and a half. Feel pretty good about them winning that game by at least a field goal against the New England Patriots. So six and a half point teaser. That gets you to plus 150. John, I have a feeling I know where you're going with your lock of the week. Is it the Raiders? It's the Raiders. The Raiders. Let's go. I, I, I thought, all right, yeah, no, I worked on that uh, before we got rolling here. But I, it's just, it, and I've gone down with the ship betting against Chicago before. I, I'm still angry about my Patriots bet last year in Survivor against the, the Bears on Monday Night Football. Uh, it won't happen again. The autumn wind is a Raider. Max Crosby is about to do some crazy stuff on Sunday. The Raiders win this one and they cover. Let's go. Give me uh, give me the Raiders. Give me uh, Mark Davis and uh, some lettuce wraps of P.F. Changs. All right. Big time stuff there. Call me a square, John. I'm taking the bills. Biggest number on the board. I don't care. We, we've already hit, uh, hit that uh, with the Dolphins a couple of times this year. I, I think this is a monster get right spot for the Buffalo Bills. Got to cover nine at the New England Patriots. I, I, I don't see what the argument is for New England keeping this close. I, I think this is a, a downtrodden team, a downtrodden organization. Uh, it doesn't feel like one of those teams that is building any sort of momentum. If anything, they're losing momentum. It feels like you know fans are kind of starting to accept their fate. And you start to kind of see that internally, right? I mean, Keyshawn Butte is you know, posted on his Instagram, like, get me out of here. That's not good. <laughs> that doesn't happen to the New England Patriots. I, I think they are in for a smackdown against the Bills this week. So you're taking the Raiders. I am going with the Buffalo Bills. That will close it out for us in NFL Week 7. Best of luck if you're playing the slate this weekend. Uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in the comments on YouTube. Uh, we'll answer as many of those as we can. Uh, John, looking forward to doing this with you again next week, and best of luck. Likewise, sir. Let's go Raiders.